church. You got me there, Morena? Good to have you guys here with us this morning. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know, my name is Aaron Hodgson, uh, and I'm one of the pastors here at church. Uh, it is my privilege to bring you the word uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can open to Revelation chapter 2. Um, and we are continuing our series entitled Dear Church, and we're looking at the letters uh, written to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And uh, just working through them and helping them understand what Jesus might be saying to us here as a church uh, through these letters. Not long ago, uh, sometime last year, I was, um, <clears throat> went out to pick up some dinner for Jess and I from the Thai place just up here by Fresh Choice. And um, I got there and, and it was still taking a little bit of time for our food to be ordered. And it was a very quiet night. There was only one couple there sitting in the restaurant and they were probably in their mid to late 20s. Um, and they were sitting there at the table, and as most young couples uh, nowadays do, they're sitting there on their phone, right? And so they're having this lovely dinner out, very romantic, and um, they're sitting there like this. And they're just flicking through videos on either TikTok or Instagram or whatever they were, whatever they were on. And um, I was watching them and observing them for a little while, and I was starting to think about it, and then... Um, the, the man, and so I think they, they were engaged at, at minimum, they shared an engagement ring on, and um, the, the man in this um, situation, in a um, grand gesture of love while looking at his phone, using his peripherals, started reaching out for her hand, and uh, was trying to, find, trying to find it, and then she was kind of on her phone, and she was just kind of there, and she was like, oh, he, okay, yep. And so then they link hands without taking their eyes off their screen. And uh, I was sitting there about, you know, the sad state of our society that when you go out for a romantic meal, um, that that's, that's what's happening in the world today. Um, I don't know if it's a Thai restaurant thing, but I was at another Thai restaurant, one of the ones in town, and... Um, May, may, no judgment on the Thai place. And there was a family. There was uh, um, parents in there, and they had um, sort of late teens, early adults, children, all four of them sitting at the table, and they were doing the exact same thing, sitting there as a family, and all four of them had their devices out, looking at their devices. We live in a very distracted world, don't we? We live in a world that is uh, so many things are vying for our attention. But I wonder if we go back to that couple and if we use it as an illustration for our relationship with God, that maybe many of us here are in the same experience with them, that we maybe have our phone, or we have our job, or we have our uh, hobbies, or we have our relationships right here in front of us that we're just constantly focused on, and we are just got our hand here. And God is reaching out, trying to grab us, and we're like, oh, yep. Cool, got your fingers, cool, but I'm not going to take my eyes off this device. You see, when I look at that couple, if I had somebody sitting there with me, I might have said, what, what do they love? Who do they love, right? And you might look and go, well, they're holding hands and they've got an engagement ring, so surely they love each other. But in that moment, you might say, it seemed like their phones were of Maybe they love their phones a little bit more than they loved each other at that moment. Hey, who knows? Maybe there was a big fight. You know, we've all had those times where maybe we don't want to look at the person across the table from us. Not in my relationship, of course, though. Um, it's good. Jess is out in the crash. You can't hear this. Um, and so what, what in that moment to the rest of the world around them looked like their greatest love? 
It was their phones. What in your life looks like your greatest love? If you were to ask a coworker, if you were to ask your children, if you were to ask a friend, where would your greatest love lie? What would they say? Would it be money? Would it be influence? Would it be power? What would it be? There are many things that we can answer with this question. We're going to look at the passage today which urges us to return to our first love. It urges us to return to our first love. And so we're going to have a look at this passage today and maybe we're going to get an answer to how do we return to that first love. And maybe it's not quite the way that we think it is. So if you've got your Bibles there, I'm going to be reading from Revelation chapter 2 verses 1 to 7. I'm reading in the ESV version. If you've got your phones out, I won't hold it against you because I trust that you're scrolling on your Bible app and uh, not on social media. Um, So here we have uh, the letter to the Ephesian, uh, the church in Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Let me pray before we get into it. Fathers, we have just sung, you are worthy of it all. Lord, as we read this passage without even getting into it, there's a challenge that is laid before us, Lord. To endure patiently, to either remain or return to our first love, and to conquer. Father, as we come and uh, seek you in these scriptures, may this not be an intellectual job or an intellectual work or anything of the mind, of just the mind in this space, Lord. Father, in order for us to remain or return to our first love, it must be something that changes our hearts. And we know, Lord, through your word, that that is only a work that your Holy Spirit can do. So, Father, we know that you are already here and present with us, but we are inviting you to change us, to convict us, to encourage us, and to help us understand. Give us the ears to hear what the Spirit has to say this morning, Lord. We pray for this in Jesus' name. We see here in this letter that um, Jesus, who's the one speaking, is uh, giving an encouragement to the church in Ephesus. That he says, these are actually the things that you guys are doing really, really well. 
He says, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. But you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my names, uh, up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. If we jump down to verse six, he says again that this, um, yet this you have: you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. If you could summarize the way that Jesus is commending the church in Ephesians, uh, the, the church in Ephesus, is that they stand firm on doctrinal truth. Okay? So here we see a church that was given the truth of Jesus Christ, and we can see what Paul had written to them in the letter of Ephesians. Uh, Timothy was also present when Paul wrote to him in First and Second Timothy. And we see that there's a really strong encouragement to stand firm on doctrine. Stand firm in the truth of who God is. We see in the letter of Ephesians that Paul spends almost the first half of the letter giving truth. God has done this. This is who God is. He is gracious. He is merciful. All these things were given to him. And we see here, and we, um, depending on how you date certain letters written, Ephesians was written around the late 50s, early 60s, and um, Revelation was either written pre-70 or in the mid-90s. I hold a mid-90s view. We don't have time to get into it today, but there's lots of different views. In the mid-90s view, so we're talking about that sort of 30-year period later. That, Paul, that Jesus still sees in them that same truth that Paul laid as a foundation for them. That they stand firm in this truth. That when false teachers have arised and called themselves apostles, they have tested them. They have questioned them. They have put their knowledge to the test. And they have found them wanting. What a commendation to receive. I think if I was to assess Rally Street Christian Center, if we were to be commended from Jesus for that, I think we would be happy with that, wouldn't you? I think we as a church, we love to build our foundation, particularly of our Sunday morning services, on the foundation of God's Word. This has been a mainstay for Rally Street Christian Center for long before, well, from the, probably the foundation and the formation of this church, before it was in this building, before it was in that chapel. I don't know how long, we celebrated 125 years not that long ago, and I would say that the Bible has been at the core of that, to teach the truth and stand on firm doctrine. I can say, and we can probably agree with Jesus, that we as a church sit in this space as well. That I can commend us as a church for standing on the truth of the doctrine. He also commends them for enduring patiently through hardships, through trials, through, through sufferings. Enduring patiently when those wolves have rived up inside the church. Paul in Acts chapter 20 meets with the Ephesian elders for the last time before he gets on a boat, knowing that he will never see them again. And he warns them. He warns them that false teachers are going to rise up. And they're not just going to come from outside the church. They're going to come from inside the church. And we see all these years later that the Ephesian, Turk, Ephesian church took to heart what Paul said to them. And Jesus commends them for it now. So what about us? You see, as a church, I think we stand well in this area. We endure through good teaching. But we are also now living in a world where through this device, I can have access to all the teachers I want to. Realistically, you guys could have stayed home today and you could have streamed from somewhere in the United States or Australia or other parts of New Zealand and you would have got a far better sermon than what you're going to get here this morning. 
It's right. You're happy with it, Adele? Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> you could literally get the best teachers in the world on your device. You don't need to be here on a Sunday morning to be fed. But on the flip side, through that exact same device, you can get a whole lot of crap. A whole lot of crap. You see, the problem with the people that you might be listening to on your devices, they have no idea who you are. They don't know your life. They don't know the setting that God has placed you in. You see, one of the reasons that we believe firmly in teaching the Word of God and having teachers from here inside this church is because we're a part of this community. When I get up and speak to you, I speak to you as a fellow, I don't know what the purple term for Cambridge is, Cambridgean? Cambridgeite? I don't know. Yep, Cambridgeite, it is, there you go. Said it from the front, must be it. <clears throat> I speak as someone who's a part of this community. I speak as someone who had to endure through vaccine mandates with you. I speak from someone who had those debates and those conversations with this, in this very church. I speak to you as somebody who just stood and worshipped with you in unison, singing to our God. But there are many people who don't do that. You see, this community, although you could get a better teacher from around the world, you won't find other teachers who are part of your community. And that's a great warning sign. Now, go and listen to good teachers, but don't be solely fed on those good teachers. How do we... Unfortunately, uh, Aaron's message on Sunday, uh, the recording got cut short at this point, so we don't have the rest of the message... Um for this podcast, but we hope you have enjoyed it so far. Have a great day.